It's Monday, July 2nd, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today, the Defender Podcast is officially one year old, and so if you're enjoying the podcast, if you would give us some feedback, you can email us at Herbie, H-E-R-B-I-E dot Newell at lifelinechild.org and let us know what you think about the Defender Podcast. Please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, and then you can tweet or go to Facebook or Instagram, and you can use the hashtag, hashtag the Defender Podcast. So let us know what you're thinking about the Defender Podcast as we celebrate one year. Well, this is also our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the gospel according to Luke, and we are joined by David Wooten, our Florida State Director. David will walk us through Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Hello, and thanks for joining us for the Defender podcast on the penultimate study that we've taken through the gospel of Luke. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, Verses 13 through 35. This is an episode in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that is only recorded by Luke in his gospel. None of the other gospel writers recorded this episode. So we are grateful to Luke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for including this passage for us. One of the greatest narrative passages in all of Luke's gospel, and I believe in all of the New Testament. So I want to begin reading in Luke 24. Verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with, along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. And then he asked them, What is this dispute that you are having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things? he asked them. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, And they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression he was going farther. But they urged him, Stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. 
And it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, Weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together, who said, The Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon. And then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. What a remarkable story we have here in Luke's Gospel. These two disciples taking a walk from uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. The Bible says it's about seven miles. So in that terrain, it would have taken them between an hour and a half and two hours to make that walk. It was the same day, Luke says, the same day that the resurrection had happened. Now it's towards the end of the day, probably about 5 or 6 p.m., And as these two are walking on the road, there's a stranger that's walking close enough to hear their discussion. They don't recognize him, but it is indeed the risen Lord Jesus Christ. As these two are walking, they're talking and conversing, and the Bible says arguing, disputing with each other, discussing with conflicting opinions. What do you think that conversation was all about? Surely they were trying to figure out what is true. Who are we to believe? Where, are the, where is the body? What are the ramifications of this missing body? What's going to happen to us? And then Jesus asked, What are you talking about? What's this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And Luke says his question literally stopped them in their tracks. They stopped and looked at him. They looked discouraged. Cleopas said, in essence, How can you not know? It's what everybody's talking about. Where have you been? Jesus could have answered, I'm the only one on the planet who understands comprehensively and cosmically what's happened. But I love that Jesus is messing with them in verse 19. He says, What things have happened in Jerusalem these last days? Of course he knew, but he asked them, and they talked about Jesus, the prophet, The one who had done the miracles, the one who had taught, the one who had opposed the religious leaders. And then the religious leaders uh, trumped up charges against him and got the Roman government to sentence him to the death penalty. And then they crucified him. Verse 21 in our English Bibles begin with the word, but. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. But now their hopes are dashed. Redemption is lost. The deliverance they hoped for has evaporated. The oppression that they were under remains. But had they not heard that he was risen? Yes, they well, they'd heard that the body was missing. The women went to the tomb, couldn't find the body, and they reported that they saw angels who said he was risen and wasn't there. In fact, the tomb was empty, but that just led them to be more despondent, more hopeless. And so Jesus, in verse 25, gives them a rebuke. How could you be so slow to believe? He's not rebuking them that they didn't believe the women and their report from the tomb. He's rebuking them that they didn't believe the scriptures, that they didn't believe the prophets, the one who said that Messiah would have to suffer before he entered into glory. 
And then one of the most remarkable things happens. Jesus takes the Old Testament, Moses and all the prophets, and begins to walk them through the Old Testament to interpret for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. I tell you, friend, no preacher, no professor, no Bible study leader has ever summarized biblical theology and redemptive history the way Jesus did in that 90 to 120 minute study. Don't you imagine that he took them back to Genesis chapter 1, to creation, when God spoke the worlds into existence. John's gospel would tell us that all things were created by him, that is the Lord Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians would tell us that Christ is the source of all creation. So in Genesis chapter 1, when God says, let there be light, Jesus is explaining, that was me. And then he doubtless took them to Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve fell in disobedience and plunged all of humanity into sin. But God, in pronouncing the curse upon Adam and Eve and the serpent, said that there would be one who would come. One who would come, then the serpent would bruise his heel, but this coming one would crush the head of the enemy. Jesus explained to them doubtless that day on the road to Emmaus, that one who has come is me. Doubtless he took them to Genesis chapter 12 and the call of Abraham, where God told Abram that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. That blessing has come in the person of Jesus Christ. Doubtless he took them to Genesis chapter 22, where God commanded Abram to sacrifice his son Isaac. And on the way to Mount Moriah, that very hill outside Jerusalem where Jesus would be crucified centuries later, on their way to Mount Moriah, Isaac is noticing that the wood is there, the fire is there, the knife is there, but there's no lamb. And he asks his father, where is the sacrifice? And with a trembling voice, Abram answered his son, God will provide the lamb. Jesus explained to them that day on the road to Emmaus, doubtless, that he was the lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. Doubtless, he took them to Exodus chapter 3 in the burning bush where God called Moses to go and deliver his people. And the plagues came as God, as Moses uh, demanded that Pharaoh let God's people go. And the Exodus, that great deliverance in Old Testament redemptive history, is recorded when God told the children of Israel to put blood on their doorposts. And when the death angel saw the blood, he would pass over. But on those homes where the blood was not posted, death would come to the firstborn in that home. That Passover is a remembrance every year. The Passover feast is a remembrance of redemption in the Old Testament. And now Christ, the sacrifice, is the ultimate Passover. Doubtless he told them about the tabernacle and the linen and the colors and the wood and the gold and the brass, all pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ who would come and tabernacle among us. He took them to the prophets, Isaiah and Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. He took them to Micah 5.8 that said that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah. He took them all the way through the prophet Malachi who said someone is coming. He showed them Jesus on every page. I love studying the Old Testament because there we find the Lord Jesus Christ on every page. If you've read the Bible and didn't see Jesus on every page, then reread your Bible because you've misread the Bible. 
And then verse 28 says, He took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, just as he had done countless times before, and their eyes were open. And then he disappeared from their sights. Verse 32 says, They said to each other, Weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Friend, that's really the focus of my study today is that God would set our hearts ablaze, that the Holy Spirit would put a match to our souls when we come to the Word of God, that we would see Jesus on every page, that our hearts would be thrilled and our spirits would be moved and our minds would be elevated and stimulated as we consider the grand truths of the Scriptures and the glories of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we study the Word of God. One of the great privileges that is ours at Lifeline is to gather every Monday morning for staff Bible study, to get together as a team and to dig into the Word of God and to find out what God's Word has to say and what it has to say to us. And so may I encourage you today to approach God's Word and ask Him to set your heart ablaze with the truths and the wonders of the Word of God. Well, thanks, David. And this week we are praying for the country of Hungary. We praise the Lord that three children have come home since January and that 10 children will come home this summer into early fall. We're praying for more families to come into the program because of the consistency of younger children we are seeing. Families are finishing the process in 12 to 14 months. Hungary doesn't maintain a waiting child list. So pray for the children as they wait for their forever families and orphanages or foster homes. Pray that the foster families will see the need to spend one-on-one time with the children and not just see foster care as a means to receive money. Pray for discrimination against the Roma children and the population of Roma as a whole. Pray that the Lord would protect these children and families from discrimination. Pray for our team here at Lifeline on the ground in the U.S., Josh and Jana and Brianna and Toria. And pray for our hungry team, for George, for Adam, for Rita, and for Cornell. And and pray specifically for George. Uh, George's wife is struggling with cancer, and uh, she is not a believer. Pray that salvation would come to her house. Pray for Jana and Brianna uh, as they are and have just returned from a trip to Hungary. And just pray that they would continue to take the things that they've learned uh, and that they would just be able to put those into practice uh, this week and throughout this year. Pray for the country as a whole. Many Hungarians call themselves Christians, uh, but most families have described it as a spiritual dark country. Catholicism and and Eastern Orthodox are very strong traditions, but not necessarily uh, practices or faiths. And so just, we just pray that, that as a whole, the country would come to Christ, to come to faith. Pray that our families will continue to share the gospel when they travel and for opportunities for our staff to be lights in the darkness to those on the ground. Pray for the ministry of human resources uh, there and, and for the demographic affairs of the central authority. They will continue to be in favor of intercountry adoption and see the urgency in preparing the paperwork. Pray for uh, Judith, our contact at the U.S. Embassy, who always is, is willing to help families. Praise the Lord for families who are called to adopt from Hungary and, and praise the, the Lord for specific families who are in country now or are about to be in country who are looking at sibling sets and sibling sets of two and three and adopting uh, multiple children from Hungary. And we just ask that the Lord would shine his face on this country. Lord, we just pray 
He would open up blind eyes in the country of Hungary, open them up to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that their hearts would would be open, that their hearts would be soft to the gospel. We pray that as we send families to adopt, that they would be soft to opportunities to make known the gospel, to speak the truth of the gospel. Lord, we pray that you would uh, continue to go with children who are in orphanages and foster care to help find forever families for them and for families with sibling groups. Lord, we know that you love this country and we pray on behalf of them for your sake, for your name, and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, again, the Defender Podcast is one year old. And so please go to social media and use hashtag the Defender Podcast uh, to promote the Defender Podcast. Rate us on iTunes and email us at herbie.newell at lifelinechild.org with any comments or suggestions or just let us know that you're listening. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.